And we're live. No, we're not. We're pre-recorded. And I hate being pre-recorded. But we have to because Coho work schedule sucks. But soon we'll be back live uh, two weeks. This week and next week. And then we'll be live for Best of 2019. But we had to make a, a, a kind of a different move um, because no one wanted to talk about the worst of the decade. No one besides Cameron Holtzman. He was the only one that said, I can talk about bad movies. And everybody else was like, I'd rather not be on that. So... I decided to pull one of mine from previous schedule and put it on the schedule. It's best opening scenes in movies. Um, there's one on people's list that I'm probably going to get shit for, and I do not care because I think it qualifies, but we'll get to that later on. First, we got Caleb Coho joining the panel. Hi. Yeah, I wasn't even you? supposed to be here today. Um, I, I, I'm not supposed to be here ever. Uh, and work sucks, and all my work schedule means that we have to shoot these not on Wednesday until like two weeks from now. Um, but yeah, uh, I love this idea and this topic, and I had a lot of fun with my list, so this could be fun. That's fair. Uh, you'll probably lose this list like always, but we got um, we got Bar, Bar. Um, I put you on last week's episode, and then took you right off as soon as the post was made. So uh, for the man below you. Uh, do you feel like uh, you will win this list for being held out an extra week? Um, I actually think that aside from two picks, you are going to like my list this time. I think I'm going to be stuck in the middle like I always am. I'm not going to come first and I'm not going to come last. But I think that I'm going to do – I think I'm going to have a list that you're going to approve of this time. And also, uh, Brian, screw off. Uh, you actually have a very good luck because all three of the people on the panel have come in last place on the show before. So next is uh, Green Bar Boatman. Um, <laughs> how's it going? And how's it your going? No way. I don't know. It's his wall to protect him from me. He's going to slowly start eating. We'll have to see my picks. Brian, Brian <laughs> punched him so hard the last time that it, <laughs> it left a green stripe. So do you think that you will have a good list or a bad list? Um, I think I will have a very Boatman list. And whether or not that means a good list or a bad list is up to the eye of the beholder. Who am I kidding? That means it'll be a bad list. Yeah. Who's the eye of the beholder of the show? Yeah, it's me. Um, and if Kirk was here, he'd probably still hate your list too. Um, and next, uh, Brian, I messaged Brian. He was the first person to send me the list. And then I said, hey, can you do this real fast? Because I want to get this pre-recorded and done. And he said, yeah. So do you feel – you came in last last episode. I'm right used to it. So. But do you think you're going to have the better list uh, this week? You know, I, I don't know if I'll have the best list in your eyes, but I think you won't hate my list. I think a lot of these are, are very uh, – uh, respectable picks for the topic. Um, there's only one or two that I think might be a little bit outside the box. People not might not appreciate as much as me, but I think most of them, uh, while they might not be your favorites, I think that you at least appreciate them. And I will just say, I would think that you would like to pre-record these because then when you screw up trying to do new formats, we can edit out. Just saying. Oh, you're too good. You're 100% right. Um, that was a disaster. And this one might be the same. I've watched all your guys' opening scenes. I have seen everybody's opening scenes, so there's no, like, I get a chance. No, I watched them all, and I have thoughts on all. Um, so first we're going to start off. I didn't tell Koho the order at all. Um, we're going to start with Bar. We're going to go to Koho. We're going to go to Brian. We're going to end with Bowman. And if you have never been on the show before, well, what the hell are you doing? But 
The show works where everybody comes in with a top 10 list. I only have my opinion on their list. I don't get to create one myself. We're going to start with 10, 9, 8. Then we're going to move to 7 to 4. And then we're going to trade 3, 2, 1. If somebody has something higher on their list that they higher from the 1098, it's in their 74. It's a yikes. So uh, please announce that. And please don't stare at the screen like, uh, do I? Make sure you know what your list is. Cool. Take it away, bar. All right. Uh, Brian's creeping me out right now. So I'm going to start <laughs> off uh, with a, an easy pick for a top 10 list for this. Uh, number 10 is Jaws. No one else, really? Okay. I'm shocked uh, Brian didn't have this. Okay. Uh, uh, what's your nine? My number nine is up. Punt or yikes. Same. Whatever. Get okay. off my show. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yikes is what I meant. And uh, my number eight is the one movie I don't expect literally anyone else to have, but uh, it's 1776. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I didn't think so. What All right. So. Ten and eight, then. So my number ten is Jaws, which I'm actually kind of shocked that no one else has on their list. Uh, Jaws sets up the mood of the movie really, really well. Um, you see Chrissy as um, she goes skinny dipping in the middle of the night in the ocean, only to be attacked by an unseen presence. Uh, obviously, you know that this unseen presence is going to be the main antagonist of the movie, uh, aka the giant shark. Uh, and it's just really, it's just a really good scene to set up the, the danger that's going to be present in the rest of the movie. Uh, as for seventeen seventy six, I think this is the, uh, I think seventeen seventy six is a movie that mainly focuses on John Adams as a character, and the opening scene of this movie actually does a really good job of telling you who this person is as a character. Literally, the first lines sung in the movie are "Sit down, John." Um, he's obnoxious. He's disliked. Um, uh, that cannot be denied, and um, it's just a really good introduction to who this character is as as uh, the opening of the movie. All right, first we're gonna go to your ten jaws. I'm a little surprised that not everybody's seen this. Uh, I didn't have this on my list. Um, jaws is a great opening. Um, it's it's kind of hard, like great scene, because I think there's better scenes in Jaws throughout the movie. I think the opening scene is like sets the tone, but I think the I think the music and everything sets the movie more better later on. Uh, 1776. Gosh. It's you and your love of this. Like, I get it. I, the only musical I like was Sit Down, John, You Fat Mother. That's uh, from Hamilton. I don't care about 1776. I don't think – I think it's a fun. I think there's better musical openings, to be honest. Um, so – Okay, and we're gonna go to Boatsman. I'm gonna switch off the coho, the Caleb's, and I don't even think I'm gonna get a sequence on this. So, uh, what is your ten? Well, my number ten is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yikes! Yikes! <laughs> okay. My nine. I'm not surprised. Yeah, my nine is the player, and my eight is the Godfather. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Hey, somebody's not doing a job. No? Okay, you're good. I swore it was on somebody else's list higher, but nope. Okay. Okay. Well, my number nine is The Player. This is a long take scene from the uh, Robert Altman movie. It's very much like this tour of this Hollywood studio done in one shot, but it also, like, 
it's a commentary on long takes like one of the producers that is a character in the movie is like complaining that oh movies don't have long take openings anymore and they talk about the opening scene from touch of evil and like how great that long take was so it's very like meta very clever and uh i i like that scene a lot very impressive how they set it all up and then uh the godfather uh it just sets the tone for the entire movie and you have this like I believe in America. Like that is the opening line. And I think that's just perfect for setting the tone. And just this idea of like how this has gone wrong and why somebody would need to go to Vito Corleone. And I think it's such a necessary scene to understand the Corleones. Great. Nine, the player. I saw it. I think a lot of people, and I'm going to blame Boatman for this, like, exclusively i think techniques or amazing work of a shot gets it over like actual scene of the movie um i think like long take shots and stuff i think those are cool and stuff i just didn't get a lot from the scene i haven't seen the movie fully so maybe the movie plays into more of why i would like the scene but from first scene i just kind of took this as a like if i just saw the first scene and just saw that what would that tell me and this scene did not do it, but it's at nine, so I don't give you too much shit for. Uh, you're eight. I've told you this, but I've told Andrew. I think the I think Godfather. I think time has ruined the scene. Um, it's basically the give me an offer you can't refuse, like the entire like opening of that scene, and it's just it doesn't live up to me because I love scenes from the God the other from Godfather way more than this scene. This scene is not what I stand to. This is the timestamp, but then everything that happens after is way better in my personal opinion. But eight's not a bad scene. It's very iconic, so I get it why it makes people list. Uh, we're going to Brian. Alright. Um, I would also like to say that uh, I really do like the opening of the player. It just didn't make my top ten. Alright. Um, my number ten yeah. I don't expect anyone else to have. It's the movie Christopher McCorry movie, The Way of the Gun. My number nine has already been yikes. I believe Caleb still has it higher. Is up. Yikes. And my number eight is train spotting. Okay. Um, Way of the Gun, I think it's just a very underrated movie. Uh, Christopher McQuarrie, who wrote Usual Suspects and went on to direct like some of the best Mission Impossible movies and Edge of Tomorrow and stuff. Um, this is one that I just think is a really fun opening. It just right from the get-go, it establishes who the characters are and the type of people they are. And you get to see Sarah Silverman get punched in the face, which is always a bonus. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then train spotting, uh, it's that whole uh, choose life speech uh, set to the song Lust for Life. And I think that's another one that I think just it uses the opening very well to just establish the characters right off the bat. You know the kind of people they are, um, that the music and the style of it just kind of sets you for the style and tone of the entire film, especially because at that point people didn't really know Danny Boyle movies much. And um, that's why I like that one. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're 10. <laughs> The way of the gun, the opening scene makes me not really want to watch this movie too bad, but it, it kind of intrigues me where I might want to watch it. Because um, it's a lot at first. There's a lot thrown at you right away, and then Sarah Silverman does get punched in the face. Um, <clears throat> which, if you've seen the movie um, or seen the opening scene, she deserves it. To be honest with you, that's a that's a she she's going right at it. It's a rough scene all around. Uh, but it, I mean. 
it's not mine, but it's ten, and I know how people use ten on your. Yeah, list. it's kind of a personal bring, throwaway. Just yeah. bring in something that <laughs> they know they won't get too much shit for. Uh, number what was it? Number eight was your uh, train spotting. Yes, um, I'm not a huge train spotting fan overall of the movie, but I think the opening sequence is like amazing. Um, it's so fast paced. It's so like with the dialogue over it and the music and the running, like it's, I, I like the scene a lot. I think, I think it's a clear. And if you look up like top scenes in movies, train spotting is literally mentioned like in the top five of them. So uh, I couldn't agree more. Train spotting is a perfect choice for the list. Uh, a little low for you maybe, but I knowing what you're on your list. I understand. All right. We're going to go to coho coho. What do you got? Mm. So my 10 filling in my personal spot is watchman. Uh, my nine is the social network. <coughs> Yikes. Okay, and my eight's Inglorious Bastards. Yikes. Yikes. Cool. Uh, cool. so we're going to talk about Watchmen. Uh, I like the director's cut of this movie more than most, but that's not what we're talking about. The opening sequence of the movie is the murder of the, uh, comedian, uh, and sets up that entire, like, mystery that they have to solve, and it's shot so spectacularly by Larry Fong for Zack Snyder, because Zack Snyder's really only good at visuals, uh, and he like nails the visuals of bringing the comic book panels of this scene to life. And it's like, there's not really any dialogue and it's all set to the unforgettable, uh, by Nat King Cole, which makes it so, even more like eerie. Uh, but it's a great, I think it's a great scene that totally sets up the entire story going forward. So. Uh, okay. The other ones were, yeah, I see a watchman. Uh, I am, I, I guess I'm not the only one because most people are so most people nowadays see this side. Uh, Snyder sucks. Uh, I can't stand the man as a director. Really, I think he's a great cinematographer. I was like your visuals are great, your stories suck. Uh, but this one's fine. I don't like Watchmen at all. I think the movie is atrocious. Um, uh, and um, so it's fine to be into ten. Uh, but guess what? If you've ever seen Coho on the list. Movies that he brings up every time will appear, so don't don't worry. There's no mystery with his list here. Um, let's go start it off with Bar with your what your seven. Oh, are you put Um, yeah, sorry. Um, <clears throat> my number seven uh, is uh, another one that I kind of expect other people to have on their list somewhere. Uh, it's The Dark Knight. Yikes! Yikes! That's what I figured. All right, uh, number six is uh, – <clears throat> I'm not generally a – I respect this director more than I necessarily like this director, but um, uh, my number six is Reservoir Dogs. Yikes. Slight, yeah. slight yikes, I guess. Same spot, isn't it? it it's in it's in the same range, but it's not. Like, yeah. Uh, so – Okay, like where at? Like higher? Like it's my five. four. It's my four. Okay, it's also my four. Okay, we'll wait till four and talk about it. Okay. You're uh, first. And uh, my number four is the only horror film to be on my list, uh, and that's Scream. Okay. So, the opening of Scream at first, I was like, I don't get why people consider this such a great scene or such a great movie. It's kind of silly and awkward, and I don't really care for it. And then it turns on a dime, and it tells you everything about the movie in that one instance. Um, it's also a genuinely pulse pounding scene. I was watching that scene and I was genuinely like my chest started to really just like clench in on itself. Um, and I think that it's shot really well. I think that the pacing is really good. Um, and, 
it also the ending of that opening scene when her parents show up and they're unable to help it's it suddenly goes from her being the victim to her parents also becoming victims in a different way and i thought it was such a fascinating way to open this movie and i think this is a brilliant opening Okay, uh, yeah, I'll touch on Scream. Uh, Scream is one of my favorite horror franchises. Um, I don't like three. I think that's commonality. I think three is the bad one. Four is okay, um, but one and two I think are tr- like super great horror movies. And this scene always got me when I was younger. Like, I don't like horror movies. I hate. I honestly hate slashers. Um, but this is like it's in line of thriller at times. There is still slashing, of course, but. It lines into that psychological, like, you know, calling the phone and the ringing of the house phone, and it keeps going. You're like, leave me alone, and somebody's outside your house. You don't know it. So I totally, I think the scene is amazing. Um, they do recreate it pretty much in every movie almost, but it's still good. It still has that same point value that when somebody calls your house and you don't know who it is, like, it's a freaky feeling. And I think it's one of the best uses of that um I, i'm gonna go to brian first because i know brian had this on his list and he took it off his list um yeah um, i had it on and got bumped off by another one but it's definitely it's like right there like 11 or 12 for me um i i really i, I love scream well most of the franchise but especially the first film because i mean uh when that came out like horror films were kind of floundering at the time and scream kind of brought it back and that opening scene just kind of like I said, it kind of set the whole tone for the thing where not only was it a slasher or a horror film by itself, but it was also kind of uh, taking that that meta approach with a, a commentary on horror films at the same time. And so that opening scene I thought was really effective. And of course, I mean, most people going into it now kind of know, but at the time when I saw the movie it first came out, you know, it's Drew Barrymore. You think, oh, she must be the star of the movie. Like, nope, she's dead. You know, that, that was kind of shocking too at the time. So yeah. really like the way uh, it was done. Coho and Bowman didn't have that on your list. Why? I've never seen it. I I have a controversial opinion. I think this is a great opening scene. I think Scream 4 is the better opening scene. They have like the meta commentary when you get like Sab 6 and they're watching Sab 6 and then it's like you didn't expect that and it's like oh wait now it's a scene from Stab 7 and then they actually get an actual movie and it's like this conversation about how oversaturated the horror franchise have gotten. And like, I, I think it's very, very clever, but I love the, the opening scene of Scream 1. I do love 4 as well. I do love 4, but it's not better than 1, in my opinion. But I get I get your viewpoint. All right, Bar, you didn't get to talk at all, but maybe get to talk later. Uh, we're going to go to Bowman. Okay. Well, my number 7 is one that Cody is going to murder me for it being too low. It is the Lion King. Yikes. No yikes from anybody else. So uh, I'm not the only one. You're, you're clear. You're clear. That's fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll go to your six. Okay. My six is The Dark Knight. Yikes. Yikes. My five is Inglorious Bastards. Yikes. And my four is Reservoir Dogs, which Coco also has at four. Yeah. yeah, you both can talk about it now. We'll just talk okay. about it right here. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Reservoir Dogs. You just, 
get this convert these amazing conversations you get you know the obviously the tipping one the conversation about madonna there's so many things that are being foreshadowed in this scene that you don't really notice and think about until you've seen the movie like who rats out mr pink for not tipping it's mr orange who is later revealed to be you know the undercover cop like that's just such a subtle thing that i love I just love the back and forth in this scene. I love just, I think this is just the perfect scene as the introduction to what Tarantino is. I think this scene is pure Tarantino and I love it. Uh, yeah. For the same reason that Bowman just said, this movie literally, the scene sets up all the characters in a subliminal way, like the Mr. Orange and the tipping and Mr. Pink uh, and his entire conversation about, I don't tip uh, and Mr. Blue getting mad at him uh, and <coughs> Mr. Brown with the feels like a virgin conversation. Um, I think the back and forth between everyone in the scene is great. And it like, it, and it also sets up your expectations that all these characters are going to be important and are going to be, uh, and going to be necessary. And really only like three of them are, Mr. Blonde is uh, points a finger gun at someone and, and shoots, showing that he has a, a darker, violent tendency or a, a violent sense of humor. Uh, and it's just it's stuff like that that I absolutely love, and it shows why Tarantino is one of the best directors ever. Uh, yeah, and um, I I agree with these guys. Um, the it is the best opening to introduce a collection of characters in a film you get an idea of who all of these people are um just from these little interactions that they're having with each other and it's brilliant in that sense it's the best introduction to a group yeah uh, i have no objection to this this pick i mean this, this is what i considered for my list as well i mean honestly everything has been mentioned so far with the exception of 1776 which i haven't seen and the godfather which people know i'm just not into um, are all ones I considered and would probably be in my top 20. Um, Reservoir Dogs, um, great opening scene, a typical, you know, typically great uh, Quentin Tarantino dialogue. I just chose to go with some different Tarantino movies. That's all. Yeah, it's very interesting when we did the topic and how many overlaps we're actually getting on it, which is interesting. You know, you bring two young, you know, two, two T19 guys and, and everybody, and we're still getting so much commonality. So it's kind of interesting to what you guys consider the best scenes. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Brian to start with your seven. All right. My number seven is a movie I don't expect anyone else to have called Lord of War. Ooh, good choice. This is a good scene, though. This is, is worth Yeah, well, I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, number six, uh, Dark Knight. Is anybody still a bit higher? No, talk about your seven now. Oh, I'll talk about seven first. Okay. Yeah, uh, Lord of War. It's, it's the whole uh, life of a bullet scene. Um, it's, it, the Lord of War is a decent movie. It's not a bad movie. It's kind of entertaining. But that opening scene is so well done. It's so unique and creative. It's basically showing the life of a bullet from the moment it's it's created, you know, all the way to being you know, packed up and shipped and loaded into a gun and ultimately shot into the head of some, you know, child soldier in some African country, whatever. Um, but again, I just thought it was so, so creative and so well done. I mean, now you look at it now, the CG and parts of it are a little bit iffy, but it's still, it's just, it's unique. And it's not something I've really seen before or since. Yeah. When you sent me the list first and it just had the Nicolas Cage, like on the poster and I said, oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then I sat there and I said, oh, it's the life of the bullet. The life of the bullet is insanely good. Uh, yeah. I think it's very underrated because it comes in such a decent movie, like an okay movie, not like anything that stands out 
But right. like the opening sequence of that movie, yes, the CGI does age a little bit poorly. But where it gets like shuffled in the box and like loaded through the gun, and you see it go down, it's the last thing, and it picks the sight and shoots. It's just like wow, like these are just main. You know, it's basically Lord of War. Like it's just <laughs> they're all just pushing out war. So I I love that choice. I I think seven's an appropriate place for it. I think you had it pretty high the last time when you yeah, first. Yeah, I reevaluated it. Like that doesn't look that high. <laughs> yeah, but seven is a really good choice because I I watched it and I got I was really excited to actually see the scene yet again because I've I haven't seen this since the one time I watched Lord of War. Uh, no one else put this, which I don't truly like. I don't blame you guys, but then have you guys seen it? Do you know what we're talking about? Something like that. I've never I know seen it. I know what you're talking about. Um, I've I've seen this scene. I've never seen the movie all the way through. I but I have seen this opening. And it is a very, very good opening. It's just that I think that there, it would probably make my top twenty, maybe twenty-five. Um, it just doesn't make my top ten. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page as Bar. I also just think this scene never showed up on my radar, mainly because I was looking for like through my my personal top one hundred and my best of the decade list to try to find these movies and so i wasn't are really... you telling me lord of war is not in your top 100 what? get it together <laughs> uh no but the, the wicker man is <laughs> um, <laughs> um but no like uh, this is definitely a very good scene you have um buffalo springfield's uh yeah i can't think of the name of the song right for now it's worth like that's a fantastic pick like to go with this scene so yeah this is a really good scene yep all right uh go to your six, oh, you six have... dark Knight. okay anybody have it higher yes okay uh five was inglorious bastards you flipped them? did you flip them okay that's i, I recent the list no on the recent list he has it at five and six so that's why i was oh yeah. maybe i switched oh, sorry i i don't know that's Okay. Um, uh, yikes. My number four actually put Pulp Fiction. Mm. Um, which I know I've else uh, picked Reservoir Dogs, and, and I totally respect and agree with that choice. Uh, for me, Pulp Fiction, I think, kind of did the same thing. It's just, you know, on smaller scale, it's just two people instead of a whole group of people. But it's Tarantino dialogue at its finest. If there's one thing Tarantino does so well, it's opening scenes. Um, cause it's just two people at a table having a conversation and it seems like this just, um, you know, banal discussion between these two people and, but still, I mean, it's, it's very interesting dialogue, but then, you know, it, it ends with her, of course, jumping up and saying, you know, yelling, any you fucking pricks move, I'll execute every one of you motherfuckers, you know, and then it cuts to Miserloo straight into the credits. And that's just, that's Tarantino in a nutshell. I mean, you know, it, especially at the time when most people hadn't seen Reservoir Dogs when this, when this came out. And it kind of just said, this is who Tarantino is. This is the kind of movie you're in for. And I really like the opening that kind of sets you right in that world. Yeah, I enjoy I enjoy the scene of Pulp Fiction. Uh, personally, I think Reservoir Dogs is better. Um, but I understand your viewpoint on it. Uh, I rewatched it again for the everybody's scene. And I just found it so fascinating because you see, they're just having a normal conversation, basically. And like... Then all of a sudden it like gears up to a hundred, but like she jumps up, it's like, I'm gonna execute everyone at you. Especially with Amanda Plummer doing it, yeah. Yeah, you're like, okay, like this I for somebody that doesn't know like Tarantino or anything, you just watch Pulp Fiction, you're like, okay, what is it all about? And then this is the first start. (laughs) I think it's a 
I think it shows how chaotic stuff that movie honestly is at times. So I, I like it a lot. Um, four is a little high, but it's okay. Uh, what are the, especially the two that you had below it with Pulp Fiction High. That's a little questionable. But uh, everybody with Pulp. Yeah, um, I I think four is really high for this scene. Like, I like this scene. I like Pulp Fiction, but like, it's like the you, that scene that you have for it is like the third, like that's the fourth best opening to a Tarantino movie, and you had a better one from Tarantino below it. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. Four is really high for Pulp Fiction. It doesn't make my top ten. I like the rest of the movie that follows the beginning better than the beginning. So, I I think the beginning's good, but like, yeah, this isn't like top tier Tarantino dialogue for me. Like, it's very very good Tarantino dialogue, but this isn't like, oh, the best of the best when I think of Tarantino. Like, this is very good Tarantino, but I, I honestly, I think the scene is just fine. I don't think it belongs anywhere near a top ten list. I think that, uh. It, it honestly, it's just an opening to any movie to me. I don't think that this is a great opening. I really don't. Oh, everybody's harsh on pulp, you dirty bitches. It's fine. Uh, we're moving on. Kohan, seven. All right, so uh, my number seven is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yikes. Yikes. Okay, my number six is Baby Driver. Ye yeah, that was my five. Okay. Also, yikes. Uh, okay. Um, so we're talking about it now, right? Yeah. Uh, Baby Driver's opening is Bell Bottoms. Uh, Who yikes did? Why didn't we talk about it with Bart? I have no idea. I think I, I, I don't think you said it. I was wondering I, what his number five was. Did I? Oh, I think you I'm, skipped over it. I'm an idiot. Okay, so since you have it at five, Bart gets talking about it. Okay, go ahead. Bro. Cool. So, Baby Driver. Um, it's probably one of the most exciting openings to a movie ever. Um, that chase scene is absolutely phenomenal and it tells you who baby is as a driver, especially that one moment. It's one of the greatest action moments I think I've ever seen where this one truck is backing out of a, like a parking lot and he has to swerve, but like through another thing. So it's almost like a weird, like serpentine pattern. It's amazing. But also, uh, right before when the, uh, when the other three are in the middle of robbing the bank, and you see him mouthing along to the song, and he's like playing with everything in his car. It shows you who he is as a character. Um, so I think this does a really great job of showing who Baby is as a character, and also the kind of action that you're going to be in for for the rest of the movie. And it's really thrilling, and the music is perfect for it. Uh, yeah, I think Bell Bottoms uh, is an incredible scene. Uh, that song is perfect to soundtrack it. I think it's the it's the uh, action of the chases that is super unique and and, and like in entertaining to watch um because they actually do all those stunts that's not like cgi or anything like there's an actual driver in those cars doing that serpentine pattern that is actually stopping full stop on the highway and changing spots with different cars like it's really cool i think uh edgar wright did a great job of directing this scene uh, and like you said, it, it sets up Baby as a character and like that crew and like um, how Doc fixes people and like why that like jobs like that happen. I think it's really good. 
baby driver. Yeah. Okay. I like I like the movie. This the show is making me like it less and less because of how many people bring this movie up. Let's talk about La La Land then. Uh, that's, 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 yeah, um, like baby the driver. La La Land was good too. Just saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually like this. I like the opening to this movie more than I like the overall movie. I think the best scene in the movie is the opening. I think it, I think it starts with such a bang, and then it filters off. So if we just do a scene, correct place five six, I don't have a problem with it. If you were to put it up one, I might have flipped and lost my shit. Um, so fair. Uh, Bowman, Brian, no baby driver. Why? This is a really really good scene. I just think. There are so many great scenes that are similar to this one in the movie that it's like it's it's very very good. I it'd probably be my top in my top fifteen. I I kind of agree with with Bobin. That's I I really enjoy the movie. Um, I think it it that scene is very representative of what a lot of the, a lot of the movie is, and I, I don't fault the scene for that. I think it sets the tone for it very well, and it'll probably be in my fifteen or twenty as well. All right, go to your five. My five is Star Wars. Yikes. And my four is Reservoir Dogs, which we already talked about. All right, man. This is going to be the fastest episode of Your List Sucks ever. I'm not complaining. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Var, what is your three? Uh, get ready for this to become even shorter. My number three is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Same. Ooh. It's All right, let's do this then. Uh, this is the most fun opening to a film ever. Uh, and it's a really good introduction to Indiana Jones because you don't even see him for a little bit. You just see parts of him. You like, you see his hat, you see his back, you see his whip. Um, and then when he's like revealed from the shadows, it's like this really cool, like, uh, it, it basically feels the way it's supposed to be. It's a fun action movie. It's a fun adventure movie with a really cool character. And then... You see the kind of danger that he goes through on a daily basis, apparently, like, supposedly. And it's so great. And it shows you how intelligent he is as a person as well. Um, it's just a super fun opening that introduces a character that's very, very smart and very, very good at what he does. Uh, um, yeah, so. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it's. Uh, I thought this was kind of an obvious choice, but it's obvious for a reason because it is such a classic, such a great opening. Um, like you said, it kind of set the tone. It's, it told you what you know, what kind of fun action movie this is. Which at the time this came out, they didn't really make these action adventure kind of things. It's had lots of imitators ever since then, but at the time, action movies were all you know more gritty and adult and things like that. And so this is just very fun, and it really did. It established uh, Harrison Ford or Indiana Jones' character, who not only was intelligent, but it kind of Harrison Ford's uh, sense of humor. And his kind of smugness kind of kind of shines through, and it just took you back to like those classic serials. And it was just such a great introduction to this world and to what type of movie you were getting into. And it was uh, fun and adventurous and funny and dramatic. And of course, John Williams' score to set up everything up perfectly. So, yeah, um, I had it at seven. Uh, I think the opening of this movie is really great, especially the boulder and the practical effects of of making that work uh, and. Uh, the perils of just the spikes coming out of the walls and seeing the skeletons on it. So there's like, there's definite like a presence of Indy could definitely die in this situation. 
but it, it like again, they show how smart that he is to work his way through it. Um, and then culminating and in introducing you to Belloc at the very end of the sequence. Uh, and it's the great back and forth that they have. Uh, so I think this entire movie, like this entire movie lives and dies on the opening scene working. And I think the opening scene works so spectacularly that the rest of the movie just soars off of it. Yeah, this is a great scene. It was my number 10. And yeah, it's fantastic for really all the reasons they mentioned. Yeah, I think that's the correct choice. I think the low is sad to me um, for the two, the two young whippersnappers at the end. Uh, this scene is epic. Um, Indiana Jones is one of those uh, franchises that I have treasured my entire life. Um, I saw Indiana Jones before Star Wars, so I mean, it's always ranked a little higher for me. Um, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree with more. Three, maybe. We'll find out what your one and two are, but uh, three is fine. Uh, just real quick, Barr and uh, Brian, this is totally off topic. I'm going to just ask you, what's the worst Indiana Jones movie? Crystal Skull, by far. Yeah. Thank you. And we'll why, why was there a pause even? Well, I don't, I don't, I think Temple of Doom is fine. I Temple love of, Temple of Doom. I think Temple of Doom is the worst one by far, but okay. It's Crystal Skull, Coho. You are high. Me and Robert I live will, and die I on this hill. I will, I will say it. Coho uh, and Robert Parker have both uh, came on record that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is better than Temple of Doom because the internet has told them that Temple of Doom is, is worse. 100% fact. No, it's oh, not. Oh, for Robert, oh. maybe. For Robert, maybe. But for me, it's because there's at least interesting things to latch onto in the beginning of Crystal Skull, and there's nothing to hold onto in Temple okay. of Doom. It's all dog shit. I'm getting the show all back. It's all dog shit. I feel you are making Dominic Rizzi look sober right now. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> My opinion is correct, but I don't give a fuck about you. Well, hey, read the last line of his, uh, one of his last lines in his review for Rise of Skywalker and go do that to yourself. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, we're going to move on. Uh, Bowman, what's your three? Uh, my number three is one that absolutely no one will have on this list. Cody's going to just wreck me for. I don't care. It is from the Orson Welles film, Touch of Evil. Ooh. I'm not sure what no. that face was, Barb, but okay. Um, so set up for the scene. There's a bomb in a car, and it's just one long take following what is going to happen like it's very tension filled because you don't know okay when is this bomb going to go off what is going on who are these characters it's such like just this panic of chaos and confusion and i love it and it, it, it's the inciting incident for the whole movie uh okay i saw this i saw this uh i saw this movie. um I saw the scene. You don't get this from the scene. You get the excitement for what he told him, but the scene is just a long gaming shot. It's cool back in the day. But stop the humanity. This is not that great of a scene. And for three is insane. It's insanity, Bowman. Like, I get it. If I was, I even said, okay, back in the day, how epic would this be? Yes. Now look at 2019. It's okay. It's okay. That's fine. I don't think it's great. I think you're crazy, but that's my only opinion on that. Um, Touch of Evil. Oh, why did this miss your list, guys? Go to me last. 
I have never seen this film, and I don't plan to because <coughs> Boatman ruins everything for me. Yeah, he's he's on he's in my good graces right now, but this one's rough. Um, I have seen the movie. It's been a long time. I don't even remember how it opened. So, yeah. okay, easy enough. All right, so I actually rewatched this when I was making my list, and it is a phenomenal scene, except for two things. A I, th- I think Orson Welles is a brilliant director, one of the best directors to ever be behind a camera. But I think that he made one mistake in showing you the car actually blowing up. And I think it would have been smarter if they had just stuck to the actors. Because that editing moment is just real off. And it uh, the other thing, the second thing, is Charlton Heston opening his goddamn mouth. He is doing terribly. He is doing an awful job in this scene. He is he is doing that Charlton Heston, look how much of a great actor I am. Um like ha, have it's been too long since I've kissed you. Like I Charlton Heston's performance in this brings it down so so much. If it wasn't for those two things, this would have easily made my list because it is a very great and very tense scene up until those moments. Doesn't Charlton Heston play the Mexican in this movie? Yes. yes. Yep. Dark time in Hollywood. Okay, fair enough. All right, <laughs> we're moving along. Uh, we're going to go to Brian. What is your three? Or you already said your three. Come on, what's your three? Uh-oh. Lawland. Okay. <laughs> there it is. So, <laughs> I, I watched this movie again on Christmas. Um, and... Watching Christmas that scene, it is. It is a Christmas movie, actually, and it takes place at Christmas. Uh, I didn't notice that that time when I watched it. But uh, the beginning of this movie is spectacular. Uh, the it just the beginning when it goes through the car, so you hear the different types of music and shows you the different personalities of people that live in the city. Uh, and then it culminates in this explosion of of these two analogs for Mia and Sebastian uh, singing basically what the story of the movie is going to be. Uh, and it, it harkens back to classic sort of opening numbers in musicals of like, this is the world and this is the story and we are about to get into it. Welcome to La La Land sort of thing. Um, and uh, I love it. I love every minute. Another Day of Sun is maybe the best song in the show. Shut I love it. Up. Shut up, for the love of God, shut I up. I literally just started. Shut up! <laughs> part of it. <laughs> three episodes and we've talked about this movie 18 times. I think we talked about it five times total. Oh, bullshit. Bullshit. I will no, go back and do the math. I will go back and do the we'll math. We'll do crime movies and it will show up at some point. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do sci-fi. Exaggeration. It will show right up. Well, they do kind of float up at that one point into the stars. Oh, it is a fantasy. It is it's a fantasy. fantasy. It is you a know fantasy. what? This is the one time I'll actually say something. The best scene in this movie is the opening scene. It's the best scene in the movie for me. I thought, okay, I might like this movie. This movie's an interesting show number. We got a potential. Boom! Went right downhill from there. So, best scenes, you're out of your fucking mind. Um, Pulp Fiction. Pop, pop, pop. Well, that's Wall a better opening scene than Pulp Fiction 100 Whatever. Yeah, it is. Jaws is better yeah. than this. I, I, and I'm going to... I've never seen Jaws, so... <laughs> uh, you make me sad. Christmas and start watching new movies. I did watch new movies. I... I watched all. You started with La La Land. I watched uh, La La Land on Christmas because it's my favorite movie. Uh, three, oh, fuck's sake. Three, because you haven't watched anything else to make it like your new favorite. La La okay. Land is always going to be my favorite. Um, can you leave yourself? Okay. Uh, you three, I know, like this movie. 
but it didn't okay. make the list, so I'm curious why. Okay, so first of all, the best scene in the movie is not the opening. It's actually the planetarium sequence. Um, uh, you're not however, allowed to tell me what I'm right and wrong. Okay, <laughs> sir, continue on. Okay, but you're wrong about that. But anyway, um, so the opening is really good. It's very enjoyable. However, what the opening doesn't do that I think uh, the movies on my list does is introduce things uh, as well. I think it introduces the idea of this big musical. Otherwise, it doesn't really tell me it doesn't really tell me much about Mia and Sebastian. It doesn't really tell me much about where the story is going to go. Um, I think it's a very enjoyable opening sequence, and I really do enjoy it. Um, however, I don't think that it does what the same kind of uh, job that these other openings that I picked did. Whoever, go ahead. Um, I, well, I, I love La La Land. Um, it, when I was brainstorming my short my list for this show, it actually I did write it down as as one of the possibilities, but didn't make my list. Um, a great opening number, I think it really does. I I can totally see where Cody's coming from, where it was his favorite part of the movie, and then kind of downhill from there, just because that opening number kind of is a very different kind of musical than the rest of the movie is for the most part. The rest of it is a much more somber musical. I mean, except for there's one there's the one scene with the girls when they go to the party and stuff, but. Um, so I can see why maybe he liked this, that scene, but not the rest of the movie. I, I love the whole thing. Um, really enjoyed this opening number. I thought it was very well done. Uh, just didn't make my list. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was my number 11, so it just barely missed my list. I think it's a very good scene. <laughs> you're, you're, Bowman, I would watch out. <laughs> I would watch your back if you're around Cody. After that look, he just shot you. Why, move move, move that green that, bar up to the top. Why, <laughs> um, why was that? I, it's my number 11. What's wrong with it's that? Just, it's, it was that close. It was that close. It was that close. That close. I can you know, I send you my... Uh, no. I, I don't want to say anything else from you ever again. Um, We're going to go to... Who has it? Oh, fuck. Bar two? To be honest, the fact that yep. I had this at three is a shocker, not one. Bars two. <laughs> so... I think a director who is very, very good at opening sequences is Alfred Hitchcock. However, I think his best opening to a film ever is uh, 1954's Rear Window. You learn a whole lot in this opening. Uh, you learn how hot of a day it is. You learn the type of profession that Jimmy Stewart's character has. You see, you learn his name from what's written on his cast. You can tell that he's kind of stuck in his place because of that. Um, I think that it is a, uh, you learn that there's a girl. Uh, you learn the kind of setting that he's in. Um, I think it's just a really, really good um, example of giving the audience a lot of information that they're e easily able to digest in such a short amount of time with basically what is a one-shot tracking sequence. And I think it's just a brilliant job of informing you what you're starting to get in for. I think this is Alfred Hitchcock's arguably best opening. Okay. Um, I don't like Hitchcock. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm not a fan of him. Uh, I, think, I think he's overrated, to be honest, with a lot of opinion of people's thoughts on him. I think he's an overrated director. Uh, I think he, what he did at the time was great, but I don't think it holds as well today. Um, and I saw this tracking shot. I saw this sh scene, and I don't get it. I don't get why this is. I don't get why Raiders is lower than this shot. 
Um, you get to find out a lot about indie. You know, I mean, you find out how hot today is. Well, watch the beads of sweat drip off their face. You'll find out how hot it is. Like, I don't. I get again. This is one of those things. This is a technical. This is touch of. This is a touch of evil. This is technical. No, I wouldn't say because I think I think actually touch of evil is better than this one. I think you get to see like the overall technical elements of it, but you don't get to see like what like I, I like I said without movie just watching Matt personally. Uh, Rear window. Go yeah. ahead. You haven't seen it. If you're pretentious and you know it, clap your hands. If you're pretentious and you know it, clap your hands. Uh, the, if you're pretentious and you know it, and you really oh, want to show it, sorry. Uh, I've never seen it. Uh, but yeah, you're pretentious. Anyway. As a fellow pretentious person, I will say that my problem with this scene is that there's no like tension or conflict in the scene it's a lot of information being shown and you're getting a lot to learn about the characters but there's no real like ooh, what's going to happen there's no real like th thing to put you on the edge of your seat like a, a touch that's what makes it become more tense later on it starts out so normally i mean sure and it's great in the context of the movie but just watching the scene on its own i don't know uh, Rear Window is is just an inferior remake of the Shia LaBeouf classic Disturbia. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, I'm kidding. Oh, you son of a bitch. You son of a Obviously, bitch. I'm joking. It came I like years Disturbia ago. more. Uh, I, no, I love I, Disturbia because it gave me a win over Nazario. <laughs> you make um, me sad. No, but I, I, I like Rear Window. Um, that, that, that first shot, I mean, like most Hitchcock um, opening shots, they are very good at kind of establishing where you are and what's going on, but I, it just, it wouldn't have made my top 20 even, but I couldn't respect the pick. All right, let's get off this hell mountain and oh no, we're going to Bowman. Bowman, what's your two? Number two is a yikes from earlier, it is up. Okay, um, I think this scene, it's perfect. Everybody loves this opening scene and everybody goes like, Oh man, I wish the rest of the movie was as good as the opening scene, and I kind of agree. But how much is being emotionally told? Like once Ellie dies at the end, like that wrecks me. That wrecks everybody. I think this opening scene is like perfect. You get that montage of like how much is being told with so little words. Like I think the opening scene of Up is perfect. Uh, Brian, did you have it at nine as well? I had it the same, so you can go ahead. Okay, sure. Um, I agree that this is the best scene of the movie. Um, even though I personally really like up. Um, however, the the amount of emotion that you get in these first, I think it's like ten minutes, um, is very very powerful for the short amount of time that it has. And with it, you get to learn why Carl kind of is the way that he is um, when you next see him, and it gives you a lot of information on who he be on who he became and who he was. Um, I think that it does a great job, and it's very, very like the moment you learn that she can't have a child. Whew, that hurts. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not a fan of this movie. It's probably one of my least favorite Pixar movies, but uh, I totally respect this and love this opening scene. Um, so it made my list at number nine. Um, it starts off with your typical Pixar cuteness, you know, and kind of goes into a little bit more sweet relationship with them. And But then it punches you in the gut, not once, but twice with emotion. Once when you find out she can't have a kid, and then when you find out she died. And just, I mean, the whole thing, I think would make a spectacular Pixar short, albeit an extraordinarily depressing one. But um, if that was the story alone, I would think it was practically a perfect short and just the rest of the movie just didn't live up to that for me. Uh, yeah, uh, this movie should have ended, like this scene should have ended and it should have started a new Pixar movie. It should have been the short that played before the movie. Uh, I think the short is, uh, I think it's a brilliant, brilliant scene. Um, it, it is probably my second favorite animated opening of all time. Um, one just because it's locked in. Um, the movie's dog trash. The movie is literally awful, in my opinion. It is terrible. Um, there are redeeming moments, but damn, that villain and everything that they go to, oh, that that is a big pile of stinky. Um, so, yeah. Uh, scene? Perfect. Understandable. Ho-ho, why don't you have a heart, you bastard? <laughs> it's a better... It, okay, here's the thing. It's a great short film for a Pixar film and it's it's really good it's just I don't like I don't ever want to go back to up because everything that follows is not great and if I watch that one scene it's good but like it's not one I'm going to go back to a lot just as a scene it's a great scene but I think all the ones that I have I've at least YouTube to watch that scene again on its own before I haven't done that for up uh, Brian all right, my number two, I'm going to catch a lot of shit for um, because I actually didn't have it on my list. And then I talked to Cody about it and he said it does count. So I put it on the list. Um, and that is Saving Private Ryan. Um, technically, it opens with the cemetery scene with uh, Tom Hanks' character, an old man. But then it immediately flashes back to the beach invasion. And that beach invasion, uh, if you consider that part of the opening scene, is is just one of the best scenes in any war movie ever made. Um, it puts you right there into the middle of this war. It doesn't glorify war. You know, it's not. It's not heroic. It's it's bloody. It's brutal. Uh, people are scared. You can feel the fear, the desperation to 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 get to cover, to get into hiding. Um, that the mission they that they need to basically complete their mission just to even survive. Um, but but yeah, I just think that the, the unflinching look at war and how it made you feel. I just thought that it was one of the best war scenes and also one of the best opening scenes to just throw you right into this movie. Yeah, I'm probably going to get some people backlash for this, but I let this one qualify because the scene in the tombstone, the graveyard is so minor and then it jumps right to it. It's kind of like anything else. We haven't talked about the scene yet, but there's a scene in uh, Far, Far Away that's seven plus minutes long that you have to include the entire basically arc of that scene into everything. So I think the beach of Normandy hundred percent counts on this one. Um, it's literally the scene that it transitions right into it and goes. Um, so yeah, I have no problem with this one making your list. I, I think it's correct. I think maybe that's why some people didn't put it on their list because they don't know if it would count in my eyes, but I a hundred percent let it count. Uh, what's everybody's opinion? Uh, I'll make it semi quick. Um, if we were talking about best scenes in movies ever, I would absolutely probably put this on my te- top 10. However, um, I do kind of see it as two separate scenes. 
I understand how it could be considered one scene, so I'm not going to knock you for it. But in but to me, it's really more the second scene of the film. Good, but oh yeah, I mean this this is a very very good scene. It's just I think the scene like it feels weird to call it one scene because it's like thirty minutes long, and it feels like there are so many different like parts to the scene. Like I, I think the scene is like 20, 30 minutes long, that actual storming of the beach. So I I didn't personally count it, but I, I understand why it was counted. So it is a it is a great scene. Um I am not a war movie fan. I I've seen like a handful of them and I just I don't feel a draw to go see them. So that's why when I say I've never seen Saving Private Ryan, it's not just like a gap of like of like I don't want to see that one it's just i i'm not a war movie person there's a 95 percent chance i'm not gonna like the movie uh it's the same thing with like 1917 that i'm seeing this week like i i'm seeing it because i have to because it's gonna get nominated for best picture but it's not a movie i would otherwise go see so that's just weird that movie looks pretty awesome but i understand your report yeah, on it i'm not i'm not uh, a war movie fan i'm just not yeah they sing and dance or whatever um let's go to your <laughs> was, number I'm two a, I am a singing dancer. If Saving Private Ryan was a musical, would you have I would be there? Oh, I would, I would be there in the front row. <laughs> uh, my number two is what everyone should have pretty high on their list: The Lion King. Um, The Lion King: The Circle of Life is maybe the. It's not maybe. It is the best opening to an animated movie ever. Um, the colors and the animation of of seeing all these animals converge on on Pride Rock is so breathtaking. Accompany that with the song, which completely sets up the movie that you're about to watch in terms of what the song is actually about. It gives you all the themes of the movie. It literally describes everything the light touches is our kingdom, how things arrive on this planet blinking step into this with blinking step into the sun. And like literally paints for you what you're about to watch. It's like a perfect opening number to a musical. Uh, and it's, yeah, I, I love the circle of life. I have YouTube just the circle of life scene before, uh, many at a time because it is an excellent scene. Who else had it? Somebody else had it. Oh, did I you had know? it. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I'm the only one who had it. Mm -hmm. Besides Coho, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's the circle of life. Like who hasn't picked up like a stuffed animal or their actual pet? And lift it up and go, nah, then yet, like everybody's done that. Like, it's. I do it with my kids. <laughs> but, like, I, I think. Do you hold them by one foot and hold them out a window? And then I throw them off. That's a good idea, the yeast, they come up. Like, it's, it's so iconic. It's so memorable. It, it should be on the list. So, yeah. Buy your um, bitch. Just say what you're gonna say, Mark. Well, hold on. Cody goes first. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I had to do some research on this scene. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, I. I mean, <laughs> it hurts me a lot, but you guys don't have it on your list. Um, I think the scene is perfect. The scene sets up the entire movie. It was the trailer for the movie. Like, it literally was the one that played before to tell you the Lion King was coming. Um, 
Uh, way better than the 2019 version, I'll tell you that. Um, of the, of this actually animated, uh, but uh, I mean, I'm interested to see why not. Uh, maybe because one put up on there, you both put up on there, so maybe you only allowed one animated. But like, I saw Brian's list; it was close at the first list he sent me. It was at the tiering 12. Why couldn't it enter the mainframe? Please tell me why. I hate you both. Um, <laughs> Go ahead, Aaron. All right, this this would make my top. 15 it probably would make my 12 or 11 um because i think this does a really good job of setting up the atmosphere of the movie uh, rear, the window. Of the movie. rear window you know how hot the desert is you know how how many animals stay a rear window tells you a lot bit a lot more about the main character of the story i think that lion king does a good job of that but i think other ones do it better um it's still a great opening i still think that it belongs in like the conversation i'm not saying that you guys are idiots for having on your list i think it's a very good pick but well, i'm just saying that I, <laughs> i'm just saying that i think that my other personal 10 do a little bit better of setting some things up just a little bit better what's the story of the lion king <laughs> it's called the fucking circle of life Oh, man. Gosh. Hey, I didn't That's put Yankee Doodle Dandy on my list this time. One rises, the other falls. Jeez, okay. Um, Brian? Um, there there were two other animated movies I considered putting on my list, and it came close, and that was The Lion King and Prince of Egypt. Um, the Lion King, I, I, I really do love this opening. Um, the, the song over the years, is, it's kind of lost its luster for me. And, and I know it's not fair to judge one movie by another movie, but honestly, the 2019 movie has has heart and has really damaged my opinion oh, okay. of I, not not my opinion of my love for the movie. It's like I don't feel like going back to it as much. Just kind of like oh, I'm just sick of hearing about the Lion King. And I know it's not the same movie, and I know it's not fair to the movie, but it's just why I didn't put it on. My I thought it was this, this entire panel thought you were about to die on screen. <laughs> that you were going to say that the 2019 has ruined this scene because 2019 is better. No, no, because 2019 sucks so bad. Uh, it actually, no. it's just made me be like, you know what? I don't want to watch the Lion Head, King. Had you totally redeemed yourself? <laughs> Everybody's face was just like, what the fuck? Look, I knew where you were going, but everybody else was like, you son of a bitch. I have always that. loved the Lion King, and it's just like, and I'll probably love it again in a year. But like, just in the past year, I've just been like, I don't want to hear about the Lion King because this new one just says shit, and I'm sick of hearing about it. I couldn't agree more, and I, I give you a complete pardon for that. Bar, you're a piece of shit. Okay, um, <laughs> number eleven. No, 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 you said twelve. Possibly fifteen. <laughs> you pretentious hack. Enjoy rear window. I wish dystopia is better. Go to your one. Oh, that's right. We are at. My are we on one? Yeah. No, Once. Yeah. Okay. Right. One. Yeah. Um. So I've talked a lot about how a lot of my movies do a lot of really great setting up. Um, whether it sets up a specific character, whether it sets up a specific tone, whether it sets up the story, blah, 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 blah. I'm pretentious. Um, however, my number one is the only one that I think does all three of those combined, and that's Inglorious Bastards. So, Inglorious Bastards does a great job at setting up who Hans Landa is as a character. It does a great job at setting up what uh, a main story arc of the um, story is going to be with Shoshana being the only one to escape the house. Uh, and it does a great job of setting up the tone of the movie itself. Uh, when The moment that Londa brings out that giant pipe 
that makes that makes you understand that there's going to be some comedic elements to this movie because it's such a it's such an almost cartoony pipe, but in such a really uh, tense scene that still is able to stay tense with that. Um, it, it is a it is probably the most perfect opening to a movie ever because it lets you know literally everything that you're going to be in for while still being a great scene by itself. I think it's the most perfect opening to a movie ever made. Who else had this? At, did anybody else have it one? Uh, I had it at uh, eight. I had it at five. Okay. Um, Brian and Bob. I'll go ahead. Um, Inglourious Bastards is not my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. In, that, in fact, it's probably in the bottom half. I mean, I still enjoy it, but it's not one of my favorite films of his. But again, um, there's no denying that Quentin Tarantino can do opening scenes and he can do dialogue. Um, this movie's like this opening scene is like 20 minutes long, and it's largely a monologue by Christoph Waltz. I mean, a little bit of little bit of conversation with with um, with uh, whatever his name was, the farmer there. Um, but again, it's just two people sitting at a table, and it just blows you away. I mean, Waltz, Christoph Waltz. Most people hadn't heard of him at this point, but it really introduced him and this character uh like like uh andrew said i mean he comes across as affable and you know even jovial and then all of a sudden there's just this moment when you see his face turn when he's like you know are you harboring enemies of the state on your floorboards and you know from that point on it's he's going full-on evil and it's just uh like you said it's just a great opening to a movie uh yeah uh the, the tension that is brought up with very little tension within the actual conversation. The conversation itself on paper, not super tense, like tense, but not like super tense. All the tension is just done through the way that it's being filmed, the eyes, like, cause the characters are clearly talking about one thing, but they're saying something else. And I think it's so brilliant. I think that's what Tarantino does best is subtext and having characters talk about one thing where they really are talking about something else. And I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Glorious Bastards, I think this is, this is my second favorite Tarantino opener. I'm not the biggest fan of Inglorious Bastards as a movie. It's my fifth favorite, I think. Um, but like when it comes to war films, cause I hate world war two in general. Uh, this is maybe my favorite world war two movie because of, Hans Landa and this opening scene and like how terrifying he is as a villain of how he can go like that switch of being like friendly to I'll kill your fucking family uh, in like 2.6 seconds uh, and it carries throughout the rest of the film. Um, I think this opening scene is, is excellent, uh, especially the part where he walks out and he points the gun at her and you sit there and he's like, he could totally make this shot, right? He can make that shot. And then he pulls the gun up. And let and you realize he's letting the hunt go on because he wants to hunt her, and that's sick, and that makes him a terrible person and a scary character. And that's what that's makes like, him a terrible person. No, no, but like no, but like that just solidifies him. That solidifies him as like a spawn of Satan character. But like, I don't know. oh, that's what does it. Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, this scene when I first watched it, um. And before the scene was over, I was like, oh, my God, Tarantino, you pretentious bastard. Like, I get it. It's a fucking scene about milk. You're showing your presence. Like, do something. And then the, that line, do they understand English? And they're like, what? Do they speak English? And they're like, no. And like, oh, fuck. He knew the entire time. 
I'm like, okay, thank you for paying this off because it paid off really well. I think it's one of the most tense scenes ever because you see the nervous react. Like you to put yourself in the shoes of the, the farmer in that day when a, a Nazi shows up at your door, like, and you know you have something hiding and you're, you like, that's the most, I need you to finish your fucking milk and I need you to leave now, but you can't say that. So, um, uh, perfect scene. I think it's one of the best scenes. One, I would argue it's tough. It's tough. It's really, I think the top five can go either way, but I give you full credit for one, one spare. Um, Boatman, what's your one? Um, my number one is one that nobody else will have, and I have a reason for it. It is the social network. Yeah. So I think this scene sets up so much, but it also just drags you in. Like, it is clearly, it sets up the character of Mark Zuckerberg so well and you are also you kind of like putting this hostage situation of like mark talking like a mile a minute and erica clearly not quite on his same level so it is so like you're you're so frustrated but you're also so enamored it's it's perfect sorkin dialogue and i i absolutely love it and there, there's just so many things going on that scene you you hear Eduardo being set up in passing, and then you just get the ultimate breakup moment where Mark finally actually realizes that something is going wrong because it's clear the whole time he's just talking. He doesn't really mean to be insulting. So I, I think this is such a brilliant scene that's just a conversation, and I love it. Um, yeah, I have this at nine. Um, I think I was the only other person to have this. Uh, I am Sorkin's my favorite writer of all time. Uh, and the way that he does the Sorkin dialogue and have this conversation, this argument a mile a minute, but it still feels like 30 minutes long. Like it feels like this awkward conversation just can't end because Zuckerberg just won't let it end. And his, and the girl of his dreams is sitting across from him and he's unintentionally hurting her and insulting her when she's honestly smart enough to go toe to toe with him, but she also has empathy and emotion and he doesn't. Uh, and their conversation is, is, verbal fireworks uh and the entire scene uh the back and forth ending with him get like really the only time in this movie where he gets his ass handed to him at the very end of the scene is great because the entire movie that is you see him reach these such incredible highs that but the entire time he's still longing for the one person who handed him his ass that he hurt at the beginning of the movie and uh, so the beginning of the movie i think is is excellent uh, one is a little high, but I love the opening of this movie. Yeah, so the social network, um, I love the social network, but I even had to be reminded of what the opening was of the social network. Um, just off the top of my head, it just didn't click right back. And then once you said it to me, I got to it. Um, I love the movie. I think the movie is great. I think just the scenes overall, I don't think this is even close to the top scene. I know you had to just operate in the one scene, so one is insanely high for me. Um, I think nine is okay um, for what it is. I'm just not – that movie just has so much to, that I love of that movie. The scene, the opening scene is not the one that, again, stands out that much. Uh, you guys, why didn't you have social network on your list? Why don't you go first, Andrew? I'd like to end on a positive note. 
Okay. Oh, well, I thought you didn't like it. No, I, I do. Oh, I'm, I think I'm, I'm thinking of Kirk. Never mind. Fine, I'll go then. Um, <laughs> You're thinking of Jay. Kirk's on trial. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, Jay thinks it's the most No, I, I really like the social network, and I really like this opening scene. This was on and off my list so many times. It was as high up as number five, and then you know it moved all over the place. And just in the course of making the list, it ended up like at number 11 or something like that. Um but yeah, I mean, Aaron's. I, I I sound like a broken record, but I love great dialogue and great banter, and I think Aaron nobody does it better than Aaron, Aaron Sorkin. Um, I thought it was handled very well. Jesse Eisenberg really established who his character is in this moment, in that um, he's kind of this smug asshole, but not even intentionally. Like you said, he's just kind of he just is who he is, and he's talking this whole time. He's not even really listening to what she's saying. He's just hearing himself talk until the moment he realizes, oh wait a minute, are you breaking up with me? And I think it's just, it's it's very well done. And it's uh, like so many other movies, it does establish a character right off the bat. You know who this guy is. Um, so The Social Network is in my top 100 favorite movies ever made. I think it's a brilliant movie. Um, and I think, and I respect that it, it being on this list. Um, I think number one is high. I think in like the 10, nine or eight spot would be good if you're going to put it on the list. But I, I understand why boat um and i respect your choice even though um you know what uh no i i'm you're wrong though about having it this high up yikes <laughs> uh did you say jay burns says it's one of the most overrated thing yes yeah so is his closet faction in the background so okay whoa 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 where's the lie you can all drink your Kool-Aid and wear your same Nikes all at the same time, okay? Uh, right, we're, moving, we're moving on. Uh, we're going to go to Brian. Uh, my number one will come as a surprise to probably no one, and that is Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. What? No. Um, I think that this is, a, this is an opening that is perfection in that it just drops you right into this world, and you know from the first scene – everything that's going on. I mean, it drops you right into this space battle. Um, you you know right away, once they board, you can tell who the good guys are, who the bad guys are. You meet one of the main heroes, you meet the main villain. You understand the conflict, you understand the relationship of, of droids to humans in this world. And just in this, in this first, I don't know, five, 10 minute sequence, um, you understand this, this completely strange world that you've been dropped into. And once again, John Williams score is a big part of just it's bringing you into this world and just, Letting you know that you're in for a great film that's unlike something you've seen before. Who uh, else had it? I had it at four or five. Talk about it. Um, yeah, just from the moment that the crawl ends and you see a Tanta four and it's like big, and that you think that ship's big, and then the fucking Star Destroyer comes in and you're like, shit. We're in for something, something intense. And then just the rebels and the stormtroopers just blowing each other up until after the carnage is done and Vader walks in and you're like, shit. Like, you're like, if you're in that scenario, you would, you'd be terrified. You'd probably, you'd probably make a mess of yourself. Uh, and it's just the way that they set that up in the scope of that scene and the stakes it immediately sets from the jump are so, so brilliant and so entertaining that like you're you're hooked from the start and it never stops the entire movie keeps going full bore so yeah i love star wars uh yeah it's 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 a really good scene uh honestly 
<clears throat> from the time when it was set back and the the giant uh, destroyer coming over the top of it. Um, it's a very long scene. Uh, I think I've seen it so many times, so it kind of loses a little bit of effect for me every time I see it. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, holy shit. Now I'm like, okay, we're in Star Wars. All right, let's go. Um, you bring on the Vader. Uh, so it's fine. Uh, I think it's one, uh, quintessential top five of all time. Um, so I don't don't fault you at all for having it as high as you are, especially Brian. I knew this one would be as high as it was. It would be on my personal list. So um, I can't give you any faults for that one. Uh, Bar Bowman, why not Star Wars? I mean, did you expect me to put Star Wars on Misa my... think you made a mistake. <laughs> oh, oh, I he likes the rest of Skywalker more than our new hope. Let's be real. Uh, that is 100% <laughs> a lie. Uh, I have Rise of Skywalker at two stars. So. Edit out the part where he says a lie, and it's just uh, absolutely. is absolutely true. Okay, <laughs> but like, I think the scene is good. It's fine. I don't think it's top ten of all time. Like sure. there ain't no touch of evil. And you're yeah, it is no touch of evil. I agree with that a hundred percent. Like it's fine, but this is like not even it wouldn't make my top ten scenes in all of Star Wars. But when up your ass. As a matter of fact, eat shit. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you though. Um so I'm gonna sound weird when I say this. No. I think the first scene of Star Wars is actually the opening crawl text. That's what I consider the first scene of Star Wars. It's like opening credits. You can say that's like the blank screen opening credits. Yeah, it's become such an event in all of the other Star Wars movies that it's something that everyone looks forward to as a scene. And so I, I see the opening text as a scene. I see that as the opening scene. Yes, um, the scene of action is a bunch just, of text rolling up the screen. Anyway. Just. No, um, but otherwise, the scene itself, I think it's a very good scene. I think that it is. I think that if we're if we're going by that as the opening scene, I think that it's very deserving to be on the list. I think one's a little high, to be honest with you. Um, I think Coho is a, in a really good spot if we're going to put it on the list. Um, but yeah, I just I, I don't see that as the opening scene. Okay, and uh, we're going to close it out. Coho. Yeah, uh, my resume. Ooh, Why was the yikes from earlier? Sorry, Barb put me to sleep with this bullshit. Um, <laughs> Son of a bitch. My number one is The Dark Knight. Uh, as the showrunner fandom, it was about time I put a fandom movie high on a list. Uh, so The Dark Knight's opening, I think, is the best opening to any Nolan movie. And Nolan does the visuals really, really well. But he also pairs it with a great story. Like, it has a lot of story impact. And the bank heist of The Dark Knight, from the jump, introduces you to the Joker in a way that we've never seen the Joker scene before. Before that, he was just, Jack Nicholson is a creepy fucking gangster with a laugh. Uh, and Cesar Romero has a grease-painted mustache, and Mark Hamill is an animated villain, but we've never seen the Joker in full-fledged as a brilliant criminal mastermind terrorist that he is. And it, the bank heist really gives us that by having him with this elaborate plan of taking out everyone else so he gets all the money, but it's not like he wants the money. He has a plan for the money that we see later, but like it's just it brilliantly sets up the entire film. And Heath Ledger has a very minimal performance in the opening scene, but when he takes off the mask, he's like, "I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger." It is just brilliant, and it, everything leading up to that, it's the perfect opening 
to the Dark Knight, the perfect opening to any comic book movie, the perfect opening to any movie, I think. So. Uh, Who else had it? Some people. I, I had it at seven. Okay. Anyone I else? had it at five or six, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> I think I said the wrong um, I had it at six, I think. All right. Um, okay. So you two don't get. My only problem with it is that the actual opening scene of the Dark Knight is the Warner Brothers logo, and so. <laughs> Go eat a cock-flavored lollipop. <laughs> I already had one earlier. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, a, a lot of movie, a lot of movies open with like heists. You know, a lot of crime movies tend to open with, with like a good heist scene. But this is, I think, does stand out as one of the best ones. I mean, the whole scene is done with with really minimal dialogue and even minimal score. I mean, it's there. It's kind of this pounding, pulsing, uh, uh, driving beat that keeps the whole. The whole sequence going um but he, that score is perfect um the whole rolling betrayal where like this person shoots him after he does his job the next person shoots him after he does his job i thought that was real creative and actually the whole scene kind of shows up the creativity and chaos that is the joker and that and that's, that's the character you're getting into so i just thought it was very well done that cello that uh, the score is just a cello one note it's beautiful I don't I'm just I'm adding on to what Brad said real quick. You had time to talk. No, I think that's this is such an interesting way to like set up the scene where <coughs> them kind of talking about the Joker and you don't even know you think the Joker's kind of off screen, and then you get that perfect reveal and you kind of understand, okay, this is how the heist is playing out, where they're executing every single one of them. That's just so interesting. And you get uh William Finker there as the bank teller. <laughs> um, William Finker? Yeah, uh, that is a deep cut reference. Yeah. Fuck that, I want another question. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, that involves like three people we don't even want to associate with any. Yep. Oh well, anyway, the more important thing is uh, this scene is amazing. It's such a perfect setup. Uh, Nolan does great opening scenes, and this is his best one. Um, yeah, this scene is this scene is really, really, really good. Um, it, it in itself, it could be its own short movie, and I think that it would be absolutely brilliant. Um, the um, I think it's very well paced. I think the um, the overall plan of the heist itself is actually very, very interesting, very, very smart. And the reveal is great. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great scene. I, I love this scene. Uh, yeah, I mean, The Dark Knight is what it is. I like Batman Begins better. I don't think the opening scene's better in Batman Begins. I just like the movie. Um, but The Dark Knight is, that scene is, the Joker is one of the best characters ever put to screen, especially with the, just Heath Ledger's version. I think. I think the other ones are okay. I think they're good, but I think, ledger it's more real life setting it's more of a, a real take and when he's like i'm supposed to kill the bus driver and then like just you messed with the wrong guy oh did i did you know you don't know who you're messing with and when the buses just pull out and they just fall in line it's just like it's i just like when even though they plan it you know i just like when things fall like right into place like it's just like a perfect heist that goes off perfectly so yeah uh dark knight perfect again you guys probably match the top five um that would probably be on people's list okay guys uh, we're gonna give the combined list now uh thank you for all being on uh for a short notice 
I gave you very little time to pick movies out, really. Um, but thanks for getting this pre-recorded. Um, so at number 10, we have Rear Window. It's an okay 10 spot. We have Saving Private Ryan. At eight, we have Up. Nine, uh, seven, we have The Social Network. Six, we have The Lion King. Five, we have Star Wars. Uh, number uh, four, we have Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, three, we have Reservoir Dogs. Two, in Glory, uh, Glorious Bastards. And number one of all time is The Dark Knight. Uh, so, well done, everybody. I give grades out every week. Who got first? In I first place, with tying the highest grade I've ever given, it goes to Brian Michaels with an A minus. <laughs> Brian, first. Brian literally picked movies that I would consider and even picked some that I was like, the only one that I disagree with was the number 10, really? And I think you should have put that, like, The Lion King could have took that, and you probably would have had the highest score ever recorded. Um, it's just, it. I would have moved things, but the list itself, I like Pulp Fiction. I'm, I'm not with these guys. I think Pulp Fiction's a good choice. Uh, number two, uh, second place goes to Kill Coho. Put it be. Uh, La La Land was a big mistake on there, but the rest of it was uh, quality. You also had Lion King at the highest spot, so you know how to appease the judge. Sorry. Third place goes to Caleb Boatman. B minus. Oh, so close. Um, this was actually a high scoring for everybody. I don't think everybody missed the mark by so much, but I think like last place goes to Bar, first time in the basement. Um, you you got a C, you have an overall C. So Usually there's really D's and F's on here, so yeah. <clears throat> it's not a feeling great, but 1776 with Rear Window and no Lion King and your disdain for Lion King? Disrespectful. <laughs> yep, we're done. We're done. I get to run the show. So we have some shows coming up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Look at the spelling of that. Put that back nope. up. No, put don't it put it back up. up. You messed it up. <laughs> yeah, each spell is joking. Don't you fixed it. Middle smells? Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, next week's show, we're doing okay. So I'll be hundred percent transparent. Worst of 2019. If I do not get list, I will spit out a special topic. It could be anything. It could be something I don't have a schedule. It's gonna be just a fun list. So just take a look on the Facebook page because I will never do a show if I don't get enough people interested on. I hate those ideas. I want a full panel. I want everybody to have a discussion. I don't want anybody just to throw a list on there just to be on the show. The following week, we are back live. We will be back live on the 22nd. It will be best of 2019. There's enough time for a lot of people to catch up on the movies that they haven't seen, movies that they haven't seen. It may be a big panel. I may do five. I don't know. I'm feeling nuts that night, so we'll see how it all works out. Uh, then 2019, uh, <laughs> 2019. Uh, the 29th, we've totally scrapped football movies. Respect. But I'm doing best performances of the 2010s. Um, I think it's a really good topic to close out. I want to, you just to pick the movie that this person had like the best performance in. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting topic. I'm going to hopefully get like Paul and some other people on. So please submit list. Do you have February? Yeah, February. We're doing Oscars uh, of 2020. Something after the nominations get announced, we'll talk about probably snubs. I'm thinking that's what the topic's going to be, but we'll see if they snub anything. They will. Uh, February 12th is going to be uh, Worst on Screen Chemistry. I'm really excited for this one because I think there's a lot of good options on there, and I think a lot of people can have a lot of fun for Valentine's Day. And 
824 uh, with Paul Oyama. I will nowhere, I will not be seen. I've seen a handful. I don't like a lot of them. Um, but yeah, and then the last one of that month, I think it's Overrated Classics with Boatman. Um, so yes, Overrated. So do not send best or anything. Like he, he is going to bring out Full Savage. So I want it to be, uh, I want you guys to bring Overrated. What you think? So have a good night. This is a short episode. So you're thankful. Everybody's thankful for that. Have a good night. See you later.